0: Tiki, you don't know who the hell I know. I've been a journalist for almost 30 years. I know a few people within the Giants organization. I know a lot of stuff about you, my brother, that I would never say because I wouldn't have I'd have the decency not to say those things. Chill out. Watch yourself and know who you're talking about. That's all I want to say.
1: Sorry. I ain't sorry. I ain't sorry. I ain't sorry. Nah. No.
2: Damn, I wonder if Tiki Barber is going to apologize. It sounds like uh, Ari with that great rejoin he put together suggesting that uh, there is not going to be a sorry. So that, that, that was a weird scenario. Stephen A. Smith, and this is at least the second athlete I've seen him threaten on TV. Uh, he's done it multiple times with co host basically saying you're not going to be on the show much longer. Without saying, don't cut me off. Don't disagree with me. Um, but he had done it to Kevin Durant when I think before Durant went to the Nets, he went into kind of that whisper voice and was like, "I know stuff about you, Kevin Durant. Watch yourself." And you're like, "What is? Are we? This is what we're doing?" So he basically threatened Tiki Barber to like release any inside info he has. I, I assume I don't know a lot about Stephen A. I, I think he. I think what he does his bit is awesome. And, you know, the, the over-the-top personality is great, but, man, he better have a really clear closet. You keep threatening people.
3: Or if that is what he's, portray- you know, for as, you know, coming out coming from Hollis Queens, if that's the, you know, the persona he portrays and talks about coming from, you know, those boroughs, you don't snitch. And as a professional, you know this, Steve. How many off-the-record conversations have you had from Jersey to Las Vegas, off the air, off the record, and then and all of a sudden you're going to bring them on and say, hey, don't forget what we talked about. I know stuff about you. I mean, you just don't do that.
2: Let's talk to Miles Simmons. We can move on from that. Miles, Pro Football Talk.
1: How you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing all right, Steve. And I got to tell you, I'm talking right into the microphone, and I will say <laughs> it. You don't want to make an enemy out of me. You know that?
2: I, uh, I, Your intimidating voice is quite intimidating. Your, you do not. You're your, your threatening to make voice. you making an enemy out of me. I'm shuddering. Well, I've, I've, been, uh, I've been pushing back on you a little bit. I actually, I did a whole rant yesterday about the Pro Bowl, and I've been doing this for about five years. It finally hit me uh, five years ago. I was like, you know, uh, that's in the media mocking on the Pro Bowl and hating on it. It's kind of silly when a lot of people watch. And I know you sent out stuff like, wait, there's a second half of this. You did not enjoy the Pro Bowl, but I also think you came full circle when you saw the numbers, and it's like, Hey, people still watch.
1: Yes. Well, frankly, I didn't watch it. I watched like two drives, and then I was watching old Super Bowls. So, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, it, I, I, really, I, I don't. <laughs> you know, and maybe I shouldn't admit this publicly, but I just, I don't care about the Pro Bowl. I've never cared about the Pro Bowl. It, you know, I was sent to cover the Pro Bowl once. Um, when I was still working for the Rams a long time ago, after the 2017 season, I guess it was, and instead, like, because you you cover the week of the Pro Bowl, kind of like you cover the Senior Bowl, where the practices are more important because that's where players talk and all that. So I didn't actually, I wasn't actually there for the game, but you no, know, I was supposed to be watching it, but I didn't watch it. Instead, I was out to lunch with a friend and his wife because I hadn't seen them in a long time. So, like, that's really how I feel about the Pro Bowl. Even when I get paid to watch it, I don't usually watch it.
3: Wait, let me go back for a second and ask you this. You said I've never cared about it. Do you mean as a professional, meaning in the media, or like when you were a kid in a football field? Because like, when I was younger, I used to always remember watching it when it was in Hawaii, and they were hitting. I enjoyed watching the Pro Bowl back then. I'm talking 70s and 80s. Did you ever watch it when you were a fan?
2: oh That was it? That was the threat right there? There was the threat. He delivered on it. Miles disappeared. Oh, no.
3: He knew something. That's it. What did you do, Steve?
2: I think Miles is there. No. 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 All right, well. What are you going to do? It happens, man. Doing shows from all different locations. But you, it's know, like, An- but you know what? Maybe he, the NFL pulled a
3: plug on him. But it's like he talked about, it's like he said, what we talked about yesterday is that, you know, as from a professional standpoint, you were in the stands. You took your media hat off. You were enjoying yourself at Tilt Gate, hoping that you didn't spill your beer. Right, the uh,
2: The angled uh, cup holders. The where the, the beer holders. potentially is spilling if you're not paying attention. And I
3: was up in the press box just going, man, I'd like to go
1: home.
3: You oh. know. You oh. know,
2: here's the thing. When, when we talk about... What media does in and around these games, the average fan does not care they no. don't care what you do, of course not, nor should they no. it shouldn't be their concern, so their, their their primary deal is uh, you got a fun pass for a day, you get to be around NFL atmosphere, other NFL fans, and maybe you get to you know meet, greet, see your favorite players up close that's what they care about.
3: Ah, so in that regard, we shouldn't care about anything that the fans say or do we shouldn't worry about them
2: no, I think that was my lesson out of the whole thing is that there's this growing chasm i I think between. Many media people and the fans and they're snarky towards the fans. And, you know, when I hear this stuff, I'm like, you clearly never go out and hang out around average fans. Maybe you should do it. They don't need to believe me. This gets into a whole nother discussion where people are like, Stephen A. Smith is terrible. Is he terrible? Or is Stephen A. The guy who actually goes and speaks to the average fan and speaks their language? That's why he makes 10 million. And you're going, He's terrible. And I'm talking about media people. Yeah. no. I would never sell my – well, then you're an idiot. Because what you're really saying is that you don't want to talk to average fans. You don't want – well, the other thing in the media, too, that, that kills me is that we don't listen. Just because you do radio doesn't mean you have to talk all the time. Steve. I, believe me, if anyone <laughs> you talk to, when I go out, generally – I'm one of the quietest persons in the group. You just stand I, back I, and observe. You're, I like well, to you're, listen. You're, I talk for a
3: living. I don't need to friggin' speak all the time. You're like that in general. Like like when we're at UNLV football games, when we're upstairs behind the, right, at, at Legion in the media dining or whatever, you're on your laptop. Or here at the UNLV Rebel games, when I see it, used to see you. Or when I used to see you during games and we were sitting behind the, the, uh, the basketball stanchion.
2: You you really
3: are kind of quiet. Well,
2: I mean that's a whole different thing too. When I when I go to the games, I want to watch the game and I want well, to I want to hear even, stuff. Even, yeah, but but I'm, I'm, I'm,
3: even in the back rooms, every you kind of just set aside. Nah, I
2: don't I don't get in the center of no. scrums and stuff. I'd rather listen. So you're not a sociable guy. I well that could that could be the <laughs> other thing. I'm not I'm not a sociable. <laughs> I just blew up my whole my whole argument. All right, quick time out. We'll uh, hook up with Miles here in just a couple minutes. It's and Company live, Thomas and Mac. It is a Tuesday as Air Force is here. It's Military Appreciation Night. It is a $2 beer night. They haven't done that. Miller Lite is presenting $2 beer night. They've got a pregame tailgate. But yeah, any active duty military that come down, show your ID. You get two free tickets, and you're in for the 7 o'clock start between Air Force and the Runner Rebels.
3: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.
0: Now back to with cool fueling Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All
2: right, rolling on. We'll get to uh, Miles Simmons as we uh, hook back up with him here in just one second. All of our... Football conversations this week and ready for the Super Bowl are brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Battleborn understands the tactics that insurance companies use to try and reduce the amount of money they pay to accident and injury victims. They're able to counter these methods so you get the money you deserve, and they will aggressively negotiate with the insurance companies to uh, maximize your recovery and keep you out of court. Battleborn, they're going to battle for you. Call them, 570-9000, 570-9000 for a free consultation. All right, Miles. Pro Football Talk. Miles is back up with us. We were uh, kind of joking around there about uh, the Pro Bowl, but let's, let's get to some serious stuff here. The ledger now, the final tally on the head coaching hires around the National Football League. Your thoughts?
0: Well, yeah, and, you know, I, I put this up on Twitter. that You know, there were nine head coaching vacancies, and only two minorities were um, chosen to lead those teams, and really only one fully identifies as black. I mean, we can talk about uh, Mike McDaniel whose father is, like said that in an interview uh, during 2021 with um, NBC Sports Bay Area. But you look at Lovey Smith, that's really the only black head coach now that there is in this hiring cycle, and that gives the NFL a total of two out of 32 with five total minority head coaches. So <laughs> that's not where the NFL wants to be, I'm sure, as a league. But when it comes to these kinds of things, Uh, They announced today that the NFL or Roger Bell had met with some civil rights leaders and all that. And that's great for the league as a whole, but it doesn't really matter because the league is not the one assigning head coaches to different teams. The team owners are the ones making that decision. So unless and until the owners decide that they want to make changes, things are going to continue to look like they look like, right? And frankly, I think one of the only reasons that Lovie Smith is now the head coach of the Houston Texans, is because it became untenable for them to try and hire Josh McCown, and they couldn't really hire Brian Flores either because he's got the lawsuit going, and for whatever reason, they just didn't like Jonathan Gannon. Those were the three announced finalists. So they had to circle back to somebody, and frankly, if you're going to just hire Lovey Smith, why didn't you just keep David Culley? The answer is because they were never planning on hiring Lovey Smith for his job in the first place.
2: So you mentioned one black hire in the group of nine, uh, Mike McDaniel. Yeah, I, I, I find I, mean? I find this one fascinating. Where do you, where do you fall on this?
0: What what, what where I fall? Well,
2: what
1: do you mean? Because, because Adam Adam,
2: Adam Schefter tweeted out the other day. He identifies as black, and I've seen like Will Blackman mocking on him. I think it's a very thorny topic, but I, I I just wonder where you fall on this. If his father is African-American and his grandmother is African-American, I'm not really sure, like, why we have certain labels or not have certain labels.
0: No, sure. Well, look, if he identifies as black, and frankly, I, I didn't know that. I mean, what has been said and what uh, has been reported more is that he identifies as multiracial, right? And so if that's the case, then great. I mean, if he identifies as black because his father is black, then great. I mean, I don't... That is that is a, that is a <laughs> well, good point. It, that when, is
2: a good. point. You take him at his words because that's what Schefter said. Identifying as, which I I also found fascinating. I I don't know. I just the, the whole identifying thing I, to me is w- certainly worth a discussion. It's probably a much more important and longer discussion than a football conversation.
0: Yes, but I mean, here's the thing, right? Like, if he, if people knew that. You know, because he doesn't ostensibly look like a black man, but we can tell him, like, okay, well, what does that mean about blackness? And I don't care what that means. You know, many, many people in my life have told me that I don't sound like a black person. But guess what? I look like one. And so, you know, if we're in the 50s or the 40s or before, or maybe in some places even today, they're still going to call him the N-word, and they're still going to call him boy, and they're still going to say demeaning things about him if they know that his father is black. So, like... I, like if Will Blackman has is, is said you know some demeaning things about this, which I frankly haven't seen, and you know that's his deal, then like he needs to shut the hell up. Like that's not that's not fair to anybody, you know, especially not somebody who's worked hard to become a head coach in this league and is now again one of only five minority coaches in the entire National Football League. I think that's I think that's kind of garbage from from Will Blackman. So back not kind to of, it is just garbage.
2: Back to Lovey Smith. Um, I know you were saying that, hey, maybe this will work out, and you do like the fact that Pep Hamilton is now the OC.
0: Yes. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's going to work out, work out, but, like, I think in terms of the development of a guy like Davis Mills, you get that continuity with somebody like Pep Hamilton. Like, that's a good thing. You know, I think we've seen Pep Hamilton do really good things with quarterbacks, especially in the last couple of years. Look, he coached Justin Herbert up. To be an offensive rookie of the year in Shane Steichen, you know, and we can give Anthony Linson credit for that too with the Chargers in 2020. You go back a little bit further in the work, the work he did with Andrew Luck, not just at Stanford, but also in the NFL, right? Like he's done good work with young quarterbacks over the years. So I think the, the improvement that we saw from Davis Mills from early on in the season where it looked like he had no business being in the NFL. Later on in the year, he's starting his last five games. I believe he's got a passer rating of somewhere between 90 and 105 in those last five games. If you add them all together, so that says a lot about his coaching and the development there. And if you are the Texans and you're going to continue with somebody like Davis Mills, then that's exactly what you want. You want to keep that trajectory going up. And Pep Hamilton has a history of being able to do that with young QBs.
2: That saves us higher a bit, but. And again, I'm yeah. not here to bang on Lovey Smith. I think he deserves another chance. Um, and by the way, if you want, you know, if you want some progress in the kind of the coaching fraternity and the old boys network, the fact that an African American coach is getting a third chance is some, you know, move towards change. But I'll say this: this is the picture of disorganization and dysfunction. The fact that it took this long to then go through all of this and get back to a guy who's already on the staff. I also, I don't love. I know Pep Hamilton's there. I don't love hiring a defensive coach because almost no one did it and if we were talking about different candidates to circle back on it's like I, we get to the end of this and everyone's like well there's no one else available. like eric b Enemy's available byron Leftwich is available if you needed an offensive person there were offensive people who got interviews everywhere i just i don't know what's going on with the texans and who runs them if it's cal mcnair who's the screw job here if it's easter b everyone in the patriots organization raves about casario by the way on top of all that why not just beat out the Raiders and get Josh McDaniels?
0: Yeah, well, I don't know. I, that's so because their, their search was supposed. Well, I mean, Steve, their search was supposed to take them to Josh McCown, and then they realized they couldn't hire him right. because of everything that's going on with the Flores so dude. Like, they they couldn't do it. I wanted them to do it anyway. I thought it would have been fantastic for content, but I think that they just realized, like, no, 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 no. I don't know if. Somebody in the league was like, hey, man, this is really not a good idea for you to do that right now, to hire someone with literally zero coaching experience above the high school level to be your head coach. All right? And what was so weird was you saw some people start trying to justify the Josh McCown hire before it happened, saying, oh, this is something that's out of the box. Oh, don't you know discredit Josh McCown's experience. Being in the league for 15-plus years, however many it was, as a backup QB, he knows a lot about this and that. But that doesn't mean that he knows about being a coach and what it takes to be a head coach and doing that every single day. There's a reason why we don't see that in the NFL today. Right? There are so, so, so many different obligations that a head coach has to, has to take care of. Not just, you know, on the field or with the media, but in terms of dealing with players, right, in terms of coming up with a game plan every single week. You know, how do you set every single meeting up in the offseason? Are those really things that Josh McCown is completely prepared to do? I don't think so. Because he's never been a coach at any level. other was in high school. He was coaching kids. So, like, I just, the whole thing was just, it stumped to high heaven, and you can't do that when the league is undergoing the scrutiny that it's going right now.
2: This one's going to sound insane. And We're talking to a Pro Football Talk uh, NFL insider Miles Simmons. Does Eric Bieniemy actually need to leave the Chiefs, get out from under the shadow of Andy Reid, the whole how he's not calling the plays thing? Does he need to go be an O.C. somewhere else?
0: I mean, he wouldn't for me, but I don't know that that's really going to matter at this point. It's like... Is somebody, either somebody who's going to hire him or they're not, and, you know, we've been doing this for the last, what, three, almost four years, yeah. where it's like, okay, Eric the is the offensive coordinator of this team, and the, the counter usually is, oh, well, he doesn't call the plays. And then, I mean, you could also say that about Nathaniel Hackett, Mike McDaniel, Kevin O'Connell, like all these different dudes that are still getting head coaching jobs and they've not necessarily piloted an offense to the level of success that we've seen the Chiefs have over the last few years. And the other thing I would say about Eric Bieniemy is that we can, we consistently hear the Chiefs players praise him for the way that they for the way that he prepares them, right? Like for that 13 second deal that they had against the Bills in the AFC Divisional Round, you heard Patrick Mahomes, you heard Travis Kelsey, and I believe even Tyree Kill were saying, "Yeah, Eric Bieniemy prepares us." on those kinds of situations so that when we get to the game, we know exactly what we're supposed to do. We know exactly the kind of plays that we're supposed to have. And we know exactly how we have to operate in order to maximize every opportunity that we have out there. So if I'm an NFL owner and I hear players say that, that's going to make me really interested in having this guy become the leader of my team because it means that our guys are going to be prepared for every situation. I think that was part of the Buffalo's problem. That Buffalo was not prepared to stop the Chiefs for 13 seconds. They should have been, but they weren't. The Chiefs, on the other hand, were absolutely prepared to go down the field in two plays and set up a field goal for Harrison Bucker with, two set, with, with uh, 13 seconds left. So I, I don't know what it's going to take. It might take Eric the Enemy leaving, and I, what you're referring to is the report that his contract is up and that he could go elsewhere. If I'm the enemy, though, I think I'd probably just stay where I am. And, you know, maybe it's going to happen, maybe it's not. But it, it, I don't know if going somewhere else is really going to help a candidacy more than what he's already doing.
3: Miles, now that Kyler Murray has scrubbed his social media, has he added the Las Vegas Strip Skull and Crossbones and Allegiant Stadium to his Instagram pages?
0: <laughs> uh, not yet, not that I've seen. And Also, his agent has apparently hit the no comment on whatever that is that Kyler Murray's doing. I, I don't really understand what the message is that he's trying to send at this point. Yeah, he is he is eligible for a contract extension now that he has finished his third season. But if I'm the Arizona Cardinals, I still might want to wait for another year. You've got him under contract with a fifth-year option through 2023, so that's going to be picked up. I mean, once uh, the spring hits and once they can do it, like that's a no-brainer. He's played well enough to do that. But you know, depending on what happens with Cliff Kingsbury, frankly, the Cardinals in the coming season we don't necessarily know what kind of deal Kyler Murray should get. And this is kind of the problem that Lamar Jackson now has because he, well, he's won an MVP already, right? Like that, that contract should have been taken care of last year because he should have already gotten 40 million a year, but now he's played himself into maybe 35 million a year, uh, 32 to 35, you know? So it's interesting that you're now seeing this from Kyler Murray because he always has the option of just going and playing baseball and saying, you know, I'm, I'm tired of getting hit. I don't need to do this. I have something else where I can go make a lot of money as a professional athlete. Um, I don't really think that that's going to be the case. But this is, I guess, the world we live in now where, you know, any player can scrub things from social media. And it becomes a big deal because that's sort of how they communicate something. But, again, what he's communicating, your guess is as good as mine at this point.
3: Well, now that we've gotten the feel-good stories of the league out of the way, uh, Ram, there's a big game this Sunday, Rams and Bengals. Uh, Is there? Oh, my God, yeah. What's going to happen?
0: Oh, man. like I, I, I'm going back and forth on it because I, I think the Rams should win. I, I think the Rams are the better team. I think the Rams have the better defense, and I think they have the better offense. You know, if all, all things are working properly – But to me, there is just something about Joe Burrow. And I don't know what it is that he does. He's just got this ability to lead teams to where they need to be. And, you know, I I said this on PM last week, two weeks ago, whenever it was. But I just feel like that dude's got a little Tom Brady in him in that he can just elevate guys to whatever level they have to be at in order to win championships. And, you know, we'll see if that actually comes to pass on Sunday. But the thing that they obviously have to worry about in the Cincinnati Bengals is Aaron Donald, right? And their turnstiles that they basically have at right guard. If you can't stop aaron donald like if he comes out like he did in that monday night game against the arizona cardinals um you know back in arizona back in december where he just drives the guard into the quarterback on the first play and you know from jump like oh this is going to be a tough night for that ol because that dude is the best defensive player in the nfl and one of the best players overall in the nfl then it could be tough for the Bengals to win but like i said i I just I think there's something about Burrow, man, and just the way he leads and the way he's able to get those guys up for big games. It's hard for me to pick against the Bengals right now.
2: Miles, awesome spot. Thanks for being patient with us and uh, giving us so much time today, okay?
0: Oh, my pleasure, guys. Take care. There he is.
2: Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk. Miles A. Simmons up on Twitter. 364-1100, caller number seven. Let's do a giveaway here. We've got tickets to Nine Inch Nails show is September 15th. You can buy them this Friday. That's when the tickets uh, go on sale, Friday at 10 a.m. at Zappos Theater, Planet Hollywood. The legendary Nine Inch Nails, Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, a top 100 all-time uh, greatest artist member. Uh, according to Rolling Stone, they were number 94 out of the uh, 100 greatest artists. You can see them. Just call Ari, call her 7364-1100, Nine Inch Nails in town at Planet Hollywood.
0: Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Come into Arby's now and touch this brisket, bacon, and beef dip down into a cup of jus. You put the sandwich in the dip. Brisket, bacon, beef, and swiss. You put the sandwich in the dip. Brisket, bacon, beef, and swiss. You put the sandwich in I mean, the another dip. Another great poll by Ari. Bacon, beef you put the sandwich I mean, You in knew the this
2: dip. was going to get on the brisket,
0: show. Bacon, beef you put the, sandwich in
2: the, dip. the range of Big Rams is amazing.
3: We went from Kevin Bacon to Bing, Ring Rams. You gotta like it.
2: Yeah. Not as good as Scoop. There it is.
3: Kind of want to. As
2: a commercial, but kinda, I don't think Willie knows what I'm kinda, talking about. Kind of want to get Scoop. Tag, there it is. Tag team back yeah, again.
3: I kind of want to get in the studio now, maybe. Why?
2: What's what's going? On? Oh, you want to get in the oh the studio? I, a studio not just stu- not just the no, 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 no. Toyota go, studio. Yeah
3: no no. I'm gonna go up to DJ Rob's studio. We're gonna sample some stuff and we're gonna I'm gonna put together a little parody. All right. I don't know of what, but be ready for it.
2: Ari sends in this fat pack story today. Oh boy. Tequila could overtake vodka. <clears throat> vodka, as America's top liquor, as sales boom. Yeah, big time.
3: I mean, from Dos Artes. So Clase Azul, people love ringing that bell, right? They like hitting that bell. Huh, Mateo? Mateo knows what I'm talking about. He likes ringing that bell. I don't know what the bell is. What's the bell? The top of the Clase Azul bottle. Right. It's a nice blue-white ceramic. I'm very
2: familiar with the bottle.
3: It's got the silver. You, 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 if you clang it, it'll
2: ring. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. We're going to have to try that at home. You're familiar with the bottle, but you didn't know that that's the gimmick I had, of it? I had no idea. No, I didn't know. What about Dos Artes? I don't know that one. Okay.
3: Well, they come well, where, where in. Where <laughs> is it's, it actually available it's, I'm pretty uh, I will tell
2: you this because I uh, live with a tequila drinker and she asks all the time what bars have in this city and many I mean I'm not talking about the strip but many have a really weak selection
3: okay so t- but there, the, the like
2: casa as well I can tell you when I see that bottle I'm like here Ari? we go Ari, here can we go you see me too? No, Ari's because Ari's it Ari. is not it is not a cheap shot no um we've paid anywhere between 24 and 35 a shot yeah. now when i say we i you may mean, mean well it's not always me but i never drink it um i actually is this is this a sign of some real drinking problems i kid because i care but uh the so actually got a class of azul yeah a bottle of it for the holidays That's she bad. was very happy i'm saying i gave it to her
3: yeah What's it? It's a sign. And now, of, and now I regulate. And now I regulate
2: the pores. I'm like, it's a well, sign easy.
3: of affectionate. Yeah, watch it. You got to get it, have, the, the. Can dos we limit lo- the pour on this one? You got to get it, the it. Dos Artes right, and and the 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 reserve especial, the extra añejo. Is that it? Is that how you pronounce it? Añejo, right? yeah. It's it not? Did you? What did you just say? I said on Oh, Okay, you know what I thought he said, yeah, right? I'm not like a t- curse
2: on the air. Uh, I mean, it sounds like it, but it's not. The that one with the
3: colored, uh, with the colored frame around the rectangular, it, nice. It it tastes. It has like a nice caramel taste to it. I like that one.
2: Jordan it, used to bring these caramel or caramel. This is always a big argument that uh, Mister Hill likes to get oh, get into. Um, do you like mezcal or mezcal? Have you had it? probably you know it cuz it's it's a it's a smoky it's a smoky uh, flavor
3: is that the t- what's the tall brown bottle thin is that well, it's, 18, not, 18, it's not it's
2: not a brand it's a type of tequila mezcal oh oh and
3: the, oh, and, the, yeah, and yeah, yeah. the tall
2: brown bottle is Don Julio 1942 1942
3: um, what did I say, 1812 yeah
2: which i could have wagered Remember that bet I had, the snowfall bet, over under 19 and a half inches of snow during the oh, yeah, uh, blizzard yeah, 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 in Boston yeah, yeah. with Sam yeah. Paniatovic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could have, because I, I, I kind of had a feeling that I was going to win that one. Yeah. Um, I could have put in for a Don Julio 1942, but they're like 180 bucks. so we, we did a Don Julio 1970, or not 1970, just Don Julio 70.
3: So you and I come from the same era. None of which I'll drink. Now that we've evolved into the era where everybody wants to create their own vodka, their own tequila, their oh, yeah. own what, but back in art. Now what was your Now let's go back to like the 80s in Jersey cuz I know when I hit the clubs out here in the old school Vegas what
2: my tequila was. What was what did you drink? Tequila. I didn't drink tequila. You didn't. No. 30 years ago? Sure. No.
3: Wow.
2: Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't a big drinker and I wasn't very I'm not sophisticated now, I wasn't a very sophisticated drinker, so I I've, I've always been beer. I was a fine heavy I was a heavy drinker. I've heard I've heard your stories. They're the good be- stories.
3: The 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 great the greatest one real quick back when because because we're talking about pricing of this, right? You talk about how you bought your the SO the Azul. Right. Okay. Right. So there was a time where I would leave my house and drive across the street to the ATM and grab 40 bucks. I would drive down to the nightclub called Tramps on Flamingo in Arville. I would palm the manager 20 bucks because of course I was 17 years old. The $20 that I was left with would last me all night. would get in around midnight. $4 for a Long Island iced tea. And back then, they didn't bring a little glass. It was a big tumbler, tall tumbler. And then they had girls walking around with holsters, right, and, and with shot glasses instead of where the bullets would be. And in the holster were the guns, they'd have the, uh, just, you know, a uh, Cuervo, and they would pour shots. They could not turn the bottle in and get a new one until they sold all their shots. So at the end of it they'd come up to our table, whoever all the regulars But hey, I need to get rid of this and they would just start pouring us shots and, and to get rid of their bottle those last few shots. So for basically for 40 bucks, I would get in the club at 17, drink four long islands because it would cost 4 bucks plus a dollar tip and free tequila all night. God, $40 is a round of drinks now, no.
2: So... <laughs> <laughs> it depends on where you're going and how many drinks. <laughs> Yeah, you might come up way short with just forty bucks. That might be the tip. Uh, looking for yeah, it's a good point. Looking for a great place to watch the Super Bowl? Superbook at the Westgate is one of those great spots. They're gonna have multiple viewing parties around the property, so get down to the book and uh, book your spot. I'll keep saying book, 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 book. Uh, they've got a prop contest you can get in. On $100 entry, uh, you got to pick 30 different props, and it's going to be you know a, a general pool there with a bunch of people in that one, so you can win big money that way. Or, if you want to just bet props in general, it is the uh, original king of the proposition bets for the Super Bowl. 469 unique props. It's the Superbook. It's down at Westgate. We'll be doing a live show, a final Sunday football preview show for this 21-22 season. 10 o'clock start right in the middle of the action, so... Make your way down at some point this week or on Sunday. I would say at some point this week and get your bets in at the Superbook inside the Westgate.
3: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las
0: Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports betting. Betting with Sammy P. All
2: right, let's do it. One of the best weeks of the year, best Tuesdays of the year to talk about the Super Bowl with Sam Panayotovich, Nesson, Fox Sports. Sam how you doing buddy? Getting ready for Friday, baby. Eleven fifteen
4: Eastern. I will hop on a plane naturally. I'm flying to Seattle first because that makes total sense. And then hitting Vegas about six o'clock PM this Friday. I can't wait. My
2: lord. I feel like you should be bonus by Nesson or Fox Sports and get a charter out here. What the hell's going on?
4: That's not a bad idea for next season. I yeah. actually saved a lot of money, though. Like, usually, here's my rule, going to Vegas, and you know me. I've probably flown in and out of Vegas more than anybody you've ever met. When you fly in, I don't mind the connect. You cannot connect on the way home. No. You save your money for the direct flight home, always. That is, that is is veteran-level stuff.
2: Boy, I hadn't even thought of that about, especially after a Super Bowl weekend, depending on your mood and depending how you uh, you played. Um That connector is a a freaking killer. So we're getting numbers in on wagering and how much Americans are into gambling right now. What are we looking at?
4: Ryan Butler is a tremendous follow on Twitter. If you don't follow him for the industry stuff, you got to do it, at ButlerBets. And he reported this yesterday, the full calendar year, 2021, Americans legally wagered. 57.7 billion dollars (laughs) 57.7 that is up 167 percent from last year now the revenue is different than the handle of course handle is dollars wagered 57.7 billion the gross revenue 4.3 billion which is about 7.4 percent and how much do you think of the handle was wagered on the phone out of 100 what's your number on
2: the phone Mm-hmm. Mobile, online mobile. wagering. Okay, mobile, mobile. Um, it's 50-50 now.
4: 87% what? on
2: the phone. Yep. Wow. That's nice. Yep. And how about – so, uh, so give me your read on the handle here in uh, Vegas. The I'm sorry. The, the win percentage here in Vegas generally is somewhere between whatever, you know, 3-2 and, like, high fours, right? 7.4 for the entire country.
4: I remember wow. when I started working at Visa, and Chris Andrews was telling me, "Look, I if I can hit five percent hold yep. Yep. on a given year, yep. I'm okay with that. Like I can spin that to my bosses, seven point four percent around the country. And I'll tell you what, I feel like that extra two percent, extra two and a half, three percent, whatever you want to shape it as, is probably because a lot of these sports books, DraftKings, FanDuel." They're pushing parlays, and we've seen the parlay numbers just skyrocket. Illinois in November, the state made $44 million off losing parlays. You don't see that in Nevada. I mean, you live there. You've been there a long time. When do you get the South Point or Westgate or Circa or stations or whatever? When do they ever push a notification to your phone to make your eight-game same-leg parlay or whatever? They don't. So I think that's why the hold is higher across the whole country because it's really just a free-for-all.
2: Let's talk props. So uh, recent years were real big on the opening kickoff prop, but I think things have changed.
4: Dude, you can't bet it anymore. I I had to tell somebody today on Twitter, you know, I love when listeners or viewers will will message me and say, hey, what do you think about this? We bet this prop for a decade. And last year, the opening kickoff no-touchback was 230. 100 wins you 230. I thought that was a steal. Well, how did it open plus 140 this year? Almost a whole dollar (laughs) lower. And I saw that points bet is now giving you the no at plus 100. So yes, there will be a touchback is minus 130. The no is now plus 100 after being plus 230 last year what does that mean what am I going to do nothing I I just won't bet it I'm not going to come back and take the yes although that's a relatively amazing price given that last year a touchback was minus 275 and now it's 130 or 125 I just won't bet it Steve I just cross it off I've looked at 800 props in the last 72 hours I don't have to bet them all
2: (laughs) have you now moved on to props like the longest touchdown prop
4: well, that's another one of my favorites. Last year, though, I'm telling you, man, the block is hot, bro. Like, the bookies are after me because last year we bet long touchdown under 47 and a half. And this is a boomer bust type prop. Usually the only time it goes over is when there's an interception return for a touchdown. Like I think Bryce Alford against the Patriots with Atlanta. That happened. Jacoby Jones had an 108-yard kick return. And then some, oh, Percy Harvin for the Seahawks to open the second half against Denver. Those are the only three overs in the last 11 years. I mean, you go back, it's like 37-yard touchdown, 28-yard touchdown, 12-yard touchdown. The number this year, though, which is bothering me, is it's five yards lower. So from 47-and-a-half last year on the longest touchdown to 42-and-a-half. Odds are good it's probably still gonna be under if it's not a punt or a kick or a pick. But I'm telling you, between the opening touchback and the longest touchdown, the block is hot, my friend.
2: By the way, we should explain the bookmakers are after you, you know, because they're 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 angry. Or you said the bookies. The bookies are after you, they're angry that you're giving out good information. It's not the other it's not the other way, because we do know media people who like literally the bookies are after. <laughs> pay up! We do. You gotta pay we your do. money.
4: Yeah, we do. There's we only so far do. your credit goes, fellas. Hey, how about this for a prop? I've sort of talked my way into this one. Now, this isn't at every shop, and I don't know if anybody has this in Nevada. I lose track of what's available where and what's not. But I found the Rams to outpossess the Bengals, T.O.P., time of possession. Okay. The Rams are minus 125. But hang with me for a second. The Rams outpossessed Arizona thirty-six twenty-four in the first playoff game. They out Tampa 34-26 against, uh, in the second round. And then against the Niners, they out them 36-24. So they've had the ball in almost 60% of the time in three playoff games. Well, almost 60% of the time translates to minus 148. So how do we not bet Rams to have more possession at minus 125? What am I
2: missing here? Sammy P? Uh, well answer him. What are, what are we missing? I don't what know. What do we do? I don't know. What this. do we do? So what do we do, Sam? What are we missing? W-
4: Willie forgot his calculator. He's like he's, he's rounding numbers. He's, he's, he's yeah. carrying he's carrying the two. Um I'm gonna bet it I guess is what I'm getting at yeah. because the would- Rams the Rams with McVay, they run the ball a lot, they keep the opposing defense on the field, and Stafford is essentially an extension of the run on third and two third and three because you could run you could pass he could sneak that offense is on the field a lot i feel like that should be minus 150 so yeah i'm gonna bet at minus 125 that the rams have the ball more time-wise than cincinnati
3: well now that we've gotten the hokey props out of the way let's look at the real ones um you know on april 15th 2012 a tupac hologram appeared on the stage at coachella And you can bet this Super Bowl halftime, will any of the following three make a cameo appearance on stage? Jay-Z, Ice Cube, or Tupac's hologram?
4: Ice Cube just sang at the NASCAR event. So I'm inclined to think that he was revving up the engines, no pun intended, to get ready for the Super Bowl. But Jay Z makes a lot of sense too. I'll tell you what: if you listen to music from 1994, well, actually, given Dr. Dre's there, go back to the mid '80s. You go back from the mid '80s to, you know, 2005. If you grew up listening to hip hop in that era, you're going to love this halftime show. Absolutely, with all and these sin- cats. And since oh you, and God. since
3: since you went there, since you went there, now I got to throw it at you, and you said, well, actually, the late '80s. What was the, what was the group that Dr. Dre was with in the '80s? I can't say that on the radio. Yes, you know, because that's not the group. That was the early 90s. The group that he was with in the 80s was the world-class wrecking crew. Oh.
4: He, before
3: you turn out the lights with Michel A. Come on now. You talk to someone who was a DJ back in then. So, uh, you didn't, you didn't I was realize born that,
4: right? in 19, I was born in
3: 1989, Willie. I graduated high school in 86. And I was drunk through 91, so there you
2: go. I, I, I expect you to do a Michelet impression right now. Go as high as you can. Yeah, that, that was it, that was it. He got it, he got it. Very high voice, Sam. Very, like, 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 uh, almost unpleasant at times. Almost unpleasant at times. Sam Paniadovich is with us. All right, so what's the best prop you've seen so far? That, that's a really good one. I actually, I, I'm intrigued by the, and I don't like my money being held for like five weeks, but I am intrigued by the Westgates. Uh, Prop with Purdue, NCAA tournament wins against Joe Mixon. First rushing attempt yardage.
4: Purdue got bounced last year. Wasn't it by North Texas? I have a hard time putting Purdue into the final four, elite eight. I feel like they're good for two wins only.
2: Well, I mean, Um, mean, your bet's in if he pops off a freaking, you know, uh, an eight, nine, ten yard run. It's not likely, but you never know.
4: Purdue's not winning the national championship, and that is yeah. six wins. So I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. Here's a bet. If you remember one bet from the segment, here it is. A tie at halftime is Ooh. ten to one. What? Ten to one. Yes. This is gonna be the next thing, Steve. I I've already I've ruined two You're... props. <laughs> okay. I have ruined opening kickoff for a touchback, or no touchback, rather, and I have ruined longest touchdown. The next prop we ruin is the tie at the half. At 10 to 1. If it hits, we're looking at 6 to 1 next year.
2: I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Good. Definitely in. All right. I will see you out here. I guarantee it. The odds have gone from a no. I will not see you at minus 250 to now it's a slight favorite. I guess if I guarantee it, it's more than a slight favorite.
4: I would, if you guarantee it, I will lay it, my friend. And how about this? Let me give you some quick math. In 2018, you can make a Super Bowl bet in one state. 2019 eight states, 2020, 14, 2021, 20. In this Super Bowl, 30 states and D.C. can make a legal bet. How about that?
2: Amazing progress. The world is a great place. USA, (laughs) USA. All right, Sam, we'll see (laughs) you. All right, bye. There he is, Sam Paniatovich, Nesson, and Fox Sports. Loves Vegas. He's coming out here. I don't know what, the connector. The connector in Seattle, he is a freaking – lunatic all right adam hill is going to join us in just a bit live on radio row from los angeles